Well, occasionally in the news, we will see a story that someone had a sighting of Jesus in their toast. Other times, they are seeing Jesus, what, in their pizza or in a potato chip, uh, pizza, and, and a Cheeto. Um, I'm not quite sure how they got Jesus out of that, that Cheeto. Um, someone suggested he's feeding the 5,000 there. I, I don't know. But, you know, we see these stories, and, and you may see that, and you may, you may laugh. You may actually be offended by that. But I think it points to something deeper, and that is that we are often looking to connect with the spiritual through, through the physical and through the everyday. And, and I think, um, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, the reality is it's hard for us as flesh and blood human beings to connect with a God who is not flesh and blood who is is spiritual. And so, you know, we, we live in the world of senses. We live in the world of we, we see things with our eyes, we hear things, we touch things, we smell things. Um, we live in the world of uh, scientific method. And the thing is that none of those work with God. Uh, our, our senses don't help us connect with God. And so, over the centuries, some practices have developed to, to help us connect with the spiritual. And some call these mysticism, practices of, of mysticism. So things like prayer, things like solitude, things like fasting, they're connecting us with the mysterious, this, this spiritual piece that we can't get our hands around. And so... These these practices, and these are mystical practices, if you think about it. If you think about prayer, we, we're, we're pausing, and we're, we, may, we may speak out loud, or we may just speak in our minds, but we, we're, we're trying to connect with something immaterial, with someone immaterial. Fasting is a practice where we're doing something physical, or, or rather not doing something physical, with the purpose of connecting with the spiritual. Solitude is we're, we're putting ourselves in a place physically so that we can connect with the, the spiritual. So all of these things can help us connect to God, but they also can uh, they, they can be distorted in a way so that they're not connecting us with God. Because, because just as God is spirit, there's actually a dark side to spirituality. And these same practices can get us off track and disconnect us from the true God if we're not careful. And so I want to help us see this morning, how do we distinguish between those two? How do we be careful that when we are practicing mystical practices, it's actually leading us towards God and not away from him? We're going to see that this morning in Colossians chapter 2, verse 18. So if you would turn there with me, would love for you to be following along. We spent the first chapter and a half of Colossians, looking at the foundation of who Christ is and, and how much he has done for us, looking at the fact that he is God in human flesh. So there's a connection between the spiritual, the ultimate connection between the spiritual and the tangible, the physical, the, the flesh and blood. We looked at how he provided redemption for us, how he has ransomed us, how he is filling us. So we looked at this chapter and a half of these riches of what Christ has done for us. And then in chapter 2, verse 8, we come to a warning. 
See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. No one wants to be taken captive. No one wants to be enslaved. And so Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. And then he gives us two categories that often take us captive. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So the two categories where we can often be enslaved, where we can be taken captive, are um, human tradition, human reasoning, so thinking ourselves, how we think as humans apart from God, and then false spirituality. Last week, we looked at an example of false spirituality that has Jewish roots. And so it, we, we looked at uh, religious ritual that is apart from relationship, actually relationship with God. Today, we're going to look at another form of false spirituality, and that is deceptive mysticism. So there is a legitimate form of mysticism that we should pursue because it's, it's doing things in the physical realm that connect us to the spiritual. But there's also a deceptive form of that, that spirituality, that mysticism. And so we, we see how to distinguish them in verses, in, in chapter two, verses 18 and 19. That's what we're going to focus on this morning. Let no one disqualify you. So another warning, this is similar to the warning in verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive. Let no one disqualify you insisting on four things, asceticism, worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, and puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, verse 19, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. What, what we see here, and this is the main thing I hope you take away this morning, is that mysticism that leads to God goes through Christ. The mysticism that actually leads us to God goes through Christ. So there are three marks of a legitimate mysticism that we see in verse 19. But before that, we see four marks of a deceptive mysticism in verse 18. So I want to just go through these each briefly. The first is a deceptive humility. Um, that, uh, verse 18 uses the word asceticism. So when we think of the word asceticism, generally we, we think of the idea of, of denying ourselves something physically. Uh, oftentimes in scripture, this idea is coupled with fasting. And, and that's kind of maybe the most tangible way that we practice asceticism or self-denial is we say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop eating for a period of time. Uh, eating, eating food is, is kind of a typical, you can, we can fast from lots of things. We could fast from social media. We can fast from a number of different things, but food is the most common one in scripture. The word for asceticism here is actually in the Greek. It's just the word humility. And so it's not a negative word. I mean, it's actually the same word that we see in Colossians three, verse 12. And we see it there as the word humility, which Paul is, is saying there, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Paul is advocating that we put on these virtues, and humility is, is one of them. 
But in, in chapter 2, verse 18, when he uses this word, he's, he's talking about a humility that is misdirected. So it's possible to be humble, to have a humble heart, to be teachable, you know, to, to subject yourself to appropriate authorities or, or it, it, it's possible to subject yourself to authority, but find out that that authority is actually not uh, appropriate. It's possible to be humble and to be wrong in our humility. Let me give you an example. So one of our kids that will go unnamed uh, a couple of years ago got caught in a, in a scam. And so they had signed up for Spotify and they had signed up for this, you know, it was a monthly payment that they were going to be making. And they decided they, they are done with that. And they, um, they were calling up to cancel and to get a refund because they had, they had canceled it. And somehow it was supposed to be that they, they got the month free. And so this, um, child, I'm just going to go ahead and say it was a girl because I, I need to use the pronoun. So she called and she, said, um, you know, I want to cancel. Well, what she did was she, she Googled the number for Spotify. And then she found this number online and she called the number. Well, it turned out that Spotify has no number to call. And so this whole thing was just a setup. They may by now, I don't know, but you were supposed to actually do all of this online. So she called and talked to somebody who's like telling her how to walk through this. And the, what, she, what she was told to do is you need to buy an iTunes gift card and then give me the number off of that. And somehow that was supposed to get refunded. And, and please, you know, we know all how ridiculous this sounds. But here's the thing. Here's what she said. He was so nice. He was so nice and he was so helpful. And so she, she got taken in by that. And she, she was humble. She was cooperative, but she was taken in by somebody who was being deceptive for his own ends. And so it is possible to practice asceticism, to practice a humility in our spirituality that is sincere and it's genuine, but it's taking us away from God and it's deceiving us. The second sign of deceptive mysticism is deceptive worship. So Paul goes on to, he says, uh, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels. So angels are talked about a lot in scripture. Worship is talked about a lot in scripture. Worship is a good thing. I mean, worship is, is commanded to us over and over and over again. It's one of the four things that we practice as, uh, one of the four marks that we look for as people are growing to become fully committed followers of Jesus Christ here at, at Grace Point. Uh, worship, connect, serve, and share. So worship is the, the primary one. We should worship. And angels are good. I mean, we see angels throughout scripture. God gives them missions and they come and they they do what they they're obedient they do what god said to do they're strong they're powerful they provide protection for us so worship is good angels are good worshiping angels not good okay so and and this happens over and over again in scripture apparently when angels show themselves they are so amazingly awesome and overwhelming that they just you know the natural response many times is just to fall down and worship This is what we see in the very last book of the Bible, in the very last chapter of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, when John, John receives that whole vision of, of Revelation from an angel. 
and he's so blown away by everything that he sees and so blown away by this angel in front of him that in Revelation 22, 8 and 9, he says, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me these, these visions. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. So he says, no, nobody else gets worship here. No, nobody, no matter how awesome the angels speaking, no matter how awesome I look, how powerful, how, how awesome the things that you've seen, worship God alone. Praying to angels can sound valid. I mean, let, let me share with you an inscription that was found in Asia Minor, which is the area where Colossae was located. So this, this might have been something that even was, was put on the wall of someone's house. Oh, angels, protect the household and lives of John and Georgia. And then there are the names of several angels, Elohim, Ariel, Gabriel, Michael, Raphael. There are more names in that list. Oh, power of these angels and characters, give victory and favor to John and Georgia and this household while they live. I mean, that sounds like a a pretty cool prayer, doesn't it? I mean, a lot of that prayer sounds like things that we might pray. The problem is it's directed to the wrong person. It's directed to the wrong people. It's, it needs that prayer needs to be directed to God alone. See, see, Satan loves to distract us from God with anything else that he can put in front of us. I mean, Satan is not out to just get our attention directed on him, or to, to get our worship directed on him. There are probably a few. There are a few people in the world that worship Satan. He's not so much looking for that as he's just looking to distract us from worshiping the one true God. And so he tries to throw in angels in there and, and substitute them. Another thing that honestly gets thrown into this as well is the worship of saints, is the praying to saints. And so uh, there's there's a patron saint of travel. And sometimes when I'm I'm in the parking lot and I'll see in somebody's car, I'll see something hanging from from their mirror that's Saint Christopher, you know, and the idea that I'm taking a trip or I'm in my car and I'm praying to Saint Christopher to protect me. No, pray to Jesus to protect you. I mean, saints cannot help you. That's not, that's not biblical. It's not scriptural. That is a deceptive worship. It's spiritual, but it's spiritual in a direction away from the true God. The third sign of deceptive mysticism here is deceptive experiences. So he says, um, no asceticism, no worship of angels. And then he talks about going on in detail about visions. So visions are, are kind of a hallmark of mysticism. I mean, people have a personal experience. They see something. And how can you argue with that? I mean, how are you going to argue with someone? No, you didn't see that. No, you didn't experience that. I mean, it was a real experience but we have to run our experiences through the grid of truth. And specifically, is this vision pointing us towards Jesus as he is revealed in Scripture? I mean, we have to acknowledge not every vision that someone has comes from God. And just to be very blunt, I'll just say, I'll just throw in hallucinogenic drugs. Okay, lots of visions been had by lots of people that aren't coming from God. They're getting stirred up by something, but they're not getting stirred up 
by God. Now, in contrast to that, think about what's happening right now in the, in the Middle East. So, so Grace Point has, has prayerfully determined we're, we're going to focus for, for the next coming years on the Middle East and, and Lebanon and, and even refugees from Syria that are, that are coming in there. A, a huge area of unrest, which, by the way, if you haven't signed up for this already... Um, this Friday night, we're going to have a taste of Lebanon. You're going to be able to, you, you are able to order today, but this is the deadline. Okay. So you need to order your meal for, for Lebanon. We're going to have some fantastic Lebanese food available as you drive through here at the church. We're going to hand that to you also with some information, more information about our, our focus. I wasn't really thinking I was going to make that, that plug there, but it was just the opportunity to do it. That's not really what I'm talking about here, but. Um, in what's happening right now in the Middle East is, is really amazing because um, even during the season of Ramadan, as, as Muslims are seeking God, I mean, they're, they're seeking God. They're trying to connect to God. What's happening is some of them are having visions of Jesus. They're having visions of Jesus, and they're not quite sure what to do with that. But it's driving them to Scripture. It's driving them to learn more about Jesus. And so that would be a vision that God is using in a positive way to lead people to the, the true God. So that's an important grid for us to run our experiences through. The last sign of deceptive mysticism is deceptive pride. And so at the end of, of verse 18, it talks about being puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. So, so keep in mind, so what Paul is talking about here, he's talking about somebody who, who is standing up uh, in, in the church, or maybe not standing up in the church, just coming up to you in the church, and they're saying, you're, you're disqualified because you're not having these experiences that I have had. And when he's puffed up without reason in a sensuous mind, he's getting this spiritual superiority complex. Like, well, guess what happened to me? And if what happened to me didn't happen to you, then that means you're missing out on what God has for you. So here's, here's the thing about being puffed up is that there's, there's little, if any, substance in the middle of that. If you think about a cream puff, and have you ever bought a cream puff and you're like looking at that and you're thinking, man, oh, I can't wait to bite into this thing. Cream, mm, I can just taste it now. And you bite into it and you find out it was more puff than cream. I mean, I've had that disappointing experience many times. It's very sad. Um, so this, this is what happens when someone gets puffed up without reason about their spiritual experiences that are not truly leading them to God. A true connection with God does not produce arrogance. It produces humility. And a true connection with God does not draw attention to self. It's going to point people to Jesus. So Paul says, don't let anyone disqualify you because you haven't had their experience. And I don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but I just want to touch on it. Um, a number of years ago, uh, and to some extent still today, the, the issue of speaking in tongues was, was a big issue. For some, it, it still is. And so scripture talks about the idea of, of speaking in tongues that we don't know. And for some... That can be an indication of whether you have 
had an adequate spiritual experience or connection with God or not. And I, I can remember sitting in the living room uh, when I was in college with a, with a couple where they, they were very actively um, speaking in tongues, not, not in the living room right there, but that's something that they practiced. And so we're having this conversation. I remember the wife looking at me and saying, you're, you're missing out on something that is meant for you. And you, you haven't yet achieved kind of the, the level of spirituality that God wants for you. And I don't have time to delve into so all of this, um, but if, if you if you want to read a little bit about this, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where Paul takes time to actually correct people on the misuse of tongues. He spends a lot more time talking about the misuse of tongues in Scripture than he does. And I'm not saying that tongues are not valid. Okay, again, I don't, why, why did I open this can of worms? I don't know. But what I, why I'm opening it for you is because there are people who will say there's a certain spiritual experience that you should have. And if you haven't had it yet, then you should seek after that. And sometimes they're puffed up in their own minds without reason. And Paul says, don't let anyone disqualify you based on that. So those are the signs of deceptive mysticism. And we should be very sobered by those signs because because those practices look very much like the real thing. It can be very hard to distinguish. And the best way to expose the deception is with the truth. So we find the truth in verse 19. He says to be, to, to hold fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together with its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. When he, he talks about the head, he's talking about Jesus. He's been referred to that already in, in the book of Colossians. And the mysticism that leads to God goes through Christ. Paul uses the, a concrete illustration of a body here to illustrate this mystical connection. And so there's three marks of this mystical connection that are, that are positive. The, the first is connection to Christ. He, he talks about holding fast to the head. I mean, we're, we're holding, we're, we're clinging on for, for dear life. We're holding on to, just like a body needs its head. If my head gets severed from my body, it's all over for my body and my head in my case. But for Christ, if the body gets severed from Christ as our head, we, we, we lose our life. We, we lose the source of our intelligence and, and our life. And so it's crucial for us to recognize that Christ is central to everything that, that we do in our life, in our, in our spiritual life. Christ is not an add-on. He's not just one among many other options. And I, I think of a, a friend that I knew from the, the church that we were at before who, prior to coming to, to our church, was a Unitarian and so she always, I remember we had these great conversations. She struggled so much because she said where she was coming from, from a Unitarian background, was that Jesus was one among many. And so one week they would study Jesus, one week they would study Buddhism, one week they would study Islam, and it was just a variety. And she just, she just felt so good about that because she was just recognizing how all of those things kind of fit together. And, and she said, I so struggle with that all we talk about is Jesus. And it, it illustrates this, this idea that Jesus, and so she struggled with that. Many people do struggle with that. That's why there's, there's folks who, who pursue Jesus as one among many, but Paul doesn't leave that option open to us. He says we must hold fast to Christ alone. 
The, the second mark of valid mysticism is community. So versus isolated experience. So, so this is important because a lot of those experiences and those deceptive experiences happen in isolation. And then you, you bring them into community and, and what, what, and, and sometimes they get invalidated when we bring them in community. And that's what's important about living in, in communities to help one another discern what is from God and what is not. So he talks here about, again, with this body imagery, he talks about being nourished. And so we, we know our bodies need to be nourished by food. Spiritually, we need to be nourished. That's why we gather together, whether it's in person or whether it is uh, online. We gather together on a regular basis to be nourished from the truth that comes from God. We, we are nourished in Bible studies together to help one another understand what we're reading. He talks about being knit together. So there's this interdependence that happens in the body of Christ. Not an independence, not that I go off by myself and figure out what my truth is based on my experiences. There's an interdependence that happens. And then he talks about these joints and ligaments. And so there's this mutual support and mutual connection that happens. This probably happens at its best for us in in our groups. And so I'm I'm so thrilled to know and, and hear the report from Pastor Jay Button, our pastor connection, to know that um, almost all of our groups have been able to to meet consistently online. I know it's not as ideal as it is to get together in person, but over these months, it's been so crucial. I know even for our group, and I've got my group leaders here that I can look to, it's been so great for our group to be able to meet and continue to pray for each other, to be able to learn uh, together. And so these are all marks of a positive and a legitimate mysticism. The third mark of valid mysticism, the last one, is that um, that we grow with a growth that is from God. So it's from God. It's not just our self-effort. That's That's a danger, actually, in these mystical practices, is to think that if I just do the right thing, or if I just do the right sequence of events, then that's going to connect me to God. And that's going to help me grow in my connection with, with him. So it's important for us to practice things that connect us to God, but we don't rely on those. Our, our growth comes from God at work in us, and we always give him the credit for that. We, we saw this earlier in chapter 2, verse 7. When it talks about being rooted and built up in Christ, as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, established in the faith, rooted and built up in him. Mysticism that leads to God goes through Christ. So so here's what I ask you to do in light of all of this. I'd ask you to kind of take an inventory of your life and, and take an inventory of those four deceptive practices to see if any of that exists in your life. So let's just, let's just review them, uh, really, really quickly. What about a misguided, a misguided humility? You may be genuinely, uh, wanting to connect your heart to God, but it may be misguided in a wrong direction. That we have to consider the fact that that, that is a, a possibility. What about the worship of angels? Or, or saints, or, or anything else. Maybe you have put too much emphasis on something other than God that you're running to with your prayers or your requests. 
those, our, our worship should only go to God alone. The, the third, the third thing to evaluate is do you have unexamined experiences in, in your life? Maybe something really powerful happened to you, but you, you didn't really examine that in the light of, did this really lead me to Christ? Was Christ at the center of, of this? And then the last one is this idea of a spiritual superiority complex. Has that crept into your life at all where you're feeling like, well, um, I, I experienced this and everybody else needs to too. And if you didn't, then you're less than and your experience is less than. First thing we need to do with that is to renounce those practices and say, I'm going to stop with those. And then to embrace practices that actually lead us to Christ. So we, we can think about mystical practices with Christ at the center. Let's think about prayer with Christ at the center. See, this is, this is one of the beautiful things about the book of Colossians and all of scripture is that we're talking about a relationship. We're talking about cultivating a relationship with a person. Christ is our solid ground. So prayer with Christ at the center, that we are seeking to hear from him, to talk with him, to share what's on our heart, to hear um, back from, from him and, and to listen, learning how to, to listen to him. We, we can think about meditation with Christ at the center. It is a good thing to, to take the scriptures and to read and to meditate on them, to not just read really fast and, and then close it and be done, but to, to read and to meditate, to, to take a verse like um, rooted and built up in him and to just chew on that and to picture that in your mind. And what does that look like? I know what that looks like for a tree. What does it look like for, for me? to be rooted and built up and to meditate with Christ as the center. For solitude with Christ at the center, where, where you're, you're purposefully saying, I'm going to take some time to be alone. But the emphasis isn't just about all the people I'm leaving behind, all the noisy, annoying people. The, the emphasis is on who am I going to meet with? I want to, Jesus, I want to experience you in these moments, in, in all of your truth, in all of your beauty. Fasting with Christ as the center. That, that our focus is not just, you know, think about me and how much I'm doing because I'm, I'm giving up. I'm setting aside this food. Aren't I great? But I'm setting aside this physical thing that my body needs because I want to create space. I want to open up space for Christ to be more, to take more ground in, in me. So maybe choose one of those this week. Maybe you want to choose one to focus on and to practice with Christ at the center so that you can experience then, as Paul said, a, a, a growth, uh, that, that we would grow with a growth that is from God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, though you are so different than we are, and, and we sang this earlier, you have no rival, you have no equal. You're, you're in a category by yourself, and you're in a spiritual category by yourself, and we are flesh and blood, and sometimes it feels so hard to connect across that difference. But Lord, we, we thank you for giving us practices, for showing us things that are valid to do to help us experience you in, in our life. Not just understand truth about you, which is valid, 
Absolutely. And we need to understand the truth about you. But we also want to experience you. You, you made us human beings who, who need that. And so, Lord, please protect us from the, the false mysticism, the deceptive mysticism. Deception is such a scary word because by definition, we don't even realize that it's happening. But, Lord, so we, we ask, Lord, that you would open our minds, open our discernment. And, Lord, we, we want to truly connect with you. And we recognize that we can only do that through Christ. So help us, Lord, to experience you in a more deep, true, real way through Christ in the coming week, we pray in his name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us online. Thank all of you for being here in the room today. It's so great to to be worshiping together. Have a great week following Jesus, and we will see you again next Sunday.